it's like it's like slate right that's uh that's exactly what it that's is. that's what that is right yeah it's exactly because yeah. um okay i mean look honestly at the end of the day because it's over the internet and there's dropouts and shit it's not going to be completely in sync and it'll it right. might drift at some point but so far it's been okay i think i think well, the only time it didn't work was ironically and this is so sad but when Bader was on, he had the whole setup, Pro Tools and everything. Right, right. And for some reason, that didn't lock in. And I think it has something to do with Pro Tools audio recording versus Zoom audio recording, like a frame rate video. Yes. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, um, I've had some huge Zoom issues um, as, as far as like, like sync. But like really? fortunately, it doesn't really matter for me. But because um, I don't have to like, I don't really have to sync what's going on. But sync in um, terms of like visual. Well, it just ti- timing, timing stuff just it, it fucks up. And, and really, just because Zoom is not made for pro audio, right? And that's that's all there is to it. Right. And um, it, so it, if you try to integrate pro audio into it, it just doesn't like doing it. So weird. I know they were mm. trying to do that, especially with the whole pandemic and stuff. Right. Um, They've definitely. I've watched them step up the game in the past year, but um, still not there. Yeah. So it's funny because like SAE was telling us like how, um, like when the whole thing started off, um, you know, we did classes on Canvas. It's called. And yeah, um, yeah. I went to SAE, so I had that. And they still okay. So they were still using Canvas then. Um, So we We did videos on Canvas, but we used Canvas. You didn't. Ah. So there is a video feature now at Canvas, um, okay. but then, you know, the there is no way to transmit pro audio like high fidelity audio through. Right. It's just it was just right because it's it's made useless. for just people to talk to each other. Exactly. So yeah, like they don't, they don't really give a shit. And a bunch of teachers were like, "Well, I'm gonna stream on YouTube and Twitch, and then the students can watch it there, and then we'll discuss shit on Canvas or Zoom." Right. And uh, I just got an email from SAE saying like, hey, Zoom has upgraded so many features and you can now just teach on Zoom. And I was still like, ah, I don't mm. think so. <laughs> do you know what, Do you know what I've had issues? The biggest issues I've had with Zoom are um, it's pretty friendly with Mac, but Windows it's not. Mm. Um, so if you have Windows, it, there, you have to get some other softwares to use multiple audio devices like zoom like if you if you use zoom and you want to like use pro tools and share pro tools zoom shows up as an audio engine windows Mm -hmm. doesn't do that um so you have to do whatever through some other software to get it to all patch bay or something yeah something like that yeah um i i still haven't figured it out um admittedly i haven't put like enough time into it but i i did put i did put some time into figuring out and still got nothing Dude, what is it about Windows? <laughs> Every time a student has Windows, I'm like, God damn, this is going to be rough. Yeah. They're like, I, I, do you know what the worst part is? When they go, oh, I just got this new Windows computer. Like, mm. <laughs> Why mm. didn't anybody tell you mm, to not You should have talked that. to me first, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is. Oof. Oh, my God. One of my students the other day, I, this guy is awesome. He's like... Um, super passionate and like he's he's older so he's worried and self-conscious that like he's too late in the game so he's really trying to take the steps and um we were just talking about mixers and i randomly he randomly asked me about the behringer x32 and i was like oh yeah that's a good one it's pretty cool and then like the next class over the weekend 
or the, rather the class after the weekend. He's like, hey, I bought it. I'm like, wait, wait, why? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, yeah, you, yeah. you said it was fine. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's but, cool, but yeah, do you need that? <laughs> also, it's also mainly a live mixer. I don't know if right. you're doing that. Right. That's hilarious. Yeah, I get that all the time. I like when people, um, when they're starting out, they're like, they totally don't know what's going on, but they have some money. So they show up yeah. and they're like, hey, I got all this stuff. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that's bad, but like, you don't even know what that is, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, like, when I went to SAE, when I was going, they were part of tuition. I'm sure they still do something like this where they uh, they give away, like, software. It's the giveaway. They make you pay for software. Um, and so they give you all these things. And I remember when they gave me an audio interface. They gave me the Apollo Twin. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't fucking know what this is. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I, how am I going to even use it? And, and that was a good system because, like, they gave it to me, and I, I'm, like, using it right now, mm-hmm. you know, years mm-hmm. and years later. But... Like buying your own gear without knowing what you're talking about is like not, not yeah. a good move. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the the gung ho ness of it, but <laughs> uh, not a good move. Dude, I mean, that's so like that's literally what he told me. He's like, I don't know what to do. He bought so many plugins and mixers, right. and I was yeah. like, I don't know what anything does. And he he got to that like kind of chaos. Like, I can't. I'm like, I'm frozen. I don't even know what to right. touch. Right. And I was like. Right. That's that's that's, that's like one of those bigger pieces of advice that I that I would give people like if I could go back and redo everything, it's like don't buy shit until you know you need it and then you know why you need it. That's yes. that's the key. That's the key. Yes. Right? Like yes. Like like plugins is a really good example where like you go um, you know people are like oh what plugins what plugins should I buy what plugins like do, well what what are you using I'm using Pro Tools all right learn the Pro Tools EQ. When you know Pro Tools' EQ is, is not doing what you want it to do and you know you're doing it right, that's when you go buy another EQ. And then even then, even then there's so many levels of like these two things are good and basically do the same thing, but one might work for you and one might not. Yeah. So like that, that's, it's, that's, that's, that's like one of those big things where it's like don't buy shit until you know what you need, you know how to use it, and then also don't buy shit that you know you're going to – need to buy a new one yeah like if you know you're gonna upgrade it then don't don't waste your money on it because right. it's just a waste of money dude that's 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 like one of the things i always tell people that's so true man so right? true i remember like the first plugin i ever bought was a reverb because dverb was just not cutting it for me. yes yes <laughs> and that was like a yes. year and a half into like the pro tools game like right. i didn't buy anything right I was so convinced about like Pro Tools is the shit. Like, right. I knew it. And, and I thought yep. I was shit. And it's because of me that my production sucked. And then eventually right. you learn like, wait, there's other shit out there. Yeah, it was funny. I, I, I had, there was like a couple of big conversations with like, like big dog dudes that I did. Um, I don't remember the dude's name. He used to work at, um, in one of the back rooms at Engine Room, but he was like Alicia Keys producer. Brandon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember. I remember when I was just a wee little intern in the middle of the night. He was just like coming out for coffee or whatever, and uh, I was like, "Can I ask you? Can I ask you one question? Like, <laughs> what plugins do you need?" And he goes, "I I mix everything with Pro Tools stock and Sound Toys," and he's like, "Maybe I get one here and there, um, but that that's it." He's like, "I own a lot of other plugins because I get sessions from people and I just don't want to redo what they did." <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's all I really need. And that, that was one big one where I was like, huh. 
So like learn the shit you have. And then um, who who was, oh, Bob Rock, big, mm. big mixing engineer. He came in Andrew room one time and we were, you know, we were kind of like making sure that we, you know, like before he came in, we're like, hey, what do you need? You need this, this and this. And um, so we got, you know, we got what we could. And then when they came in, he asked for like a couple other ones. He's like, hey, do you guys have this? Do you guys have this? And I was like, no, but we could totally get it. He goes, nah, don't worry about it. I'll just see something else. Like it wasn't. Right. It wasn't like that big a deal. It was like right. I can make the other stuff work. This is just a preference. When when did when did Bob Rock come in? Do you remember? This this was after I left, right? Yeah, I want to say it was like two years ago. Yeah, dude. I want to say I, it was two years ago, dude. Like, so I'm a huge fucking Metallica fan, right. and Bob right. Rock was the guy behind Metallica right. for a long time. So when I heard in, and you did that session, or was it Leonard? Is it you? I did it. I did it. Fuck yeah, yeah dude. That's fucking yeah. badass. Yeah, it was cool. It, I'm so glad. I'm also jealous. But also yeah. I realized that... <laughs> I also yeah. realized that if I was there, I would have been like, so what's Lars really like? What? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's funny because like, I, I, um, I feel like I'm really good at that where I don't get starstruck and I can yeah. just kind of work. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, there's a couple of weak spots where, like, you, you kind of just want to be like, dude, yo, yo, how's that homie? What is he like? You know, like, you, you want to do that, but you can't. Right. Um, I have more often, more often than not, the problem I have um, is when I'm with, like, industry professionals and I start geeking out. Like, I don't really, I don't care who they've worked with. I just mm-hmm. want to like pick their brain. I'm like, Oh, uh, uh what kind of compressors do you like? Oh, uh, what attack right. release? So, you know, right. um, that, that's the only one I had tried to like slow down on, but I, I think I'm pretty good at it. Good it's at a it. skill set, right? It's something it you gotta, oh, being professional is like totally a skill set. And it's harder to do in the music industry because <laughs> being professional it, like if you're if you're an accountant and you go to your office and you're like oh hello sir how are you doing today and you're good at your job and you you know talk like that and it's all cool and you wear a suit and that's your job but you can't do that at you know like if you're an engineer because vibe is so a thing mm. so you have to know how to be professional and good at your job but at the same time relaxed enough to make everybody else relaxed right, right? yeah right oh, that's that's, that's the it. key that's the key. Huge part of it. Right? Dude. Because at the end of the day, you have to be somebody that everybody wants to spend eight hours in a, a day in a room with. And that's that's so key. Right. Right. That's one thing people don't think about. Yeah. Yeah. And that can mean different things for different artists. Like right. some people want you to just stay quiet. That's tough too, right? Then you got then there's the read. Because there <laughs> there is that sliding scale. Um yeah, I would say like the 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 way I usually handle it, even still to this day, it's like you start off, stay quiet, um, you know, and then you know pick your places. Uh, like when I was starting out, starting out, I wouldn't say shit. Like I wouldn't say shit. It was just like good, good, good. But now that um, now that I know what I'm talking about, now that I like when when I, when they're wrong and I know I'm right, you know, like there's there's right. those situations. That's when, I, like, if I don't stop them and say, like, oh, hey, that was a bad take, yeah. then they're going to get a bad recording and yeah. that's my yeah. fault, right? Yeah. So I used to be super quiet and, like, not confident at all in my opinion, but now I'm at the point where it's, like, start off real quiet and then just kind of read it, but only talk when necessary. Yeah, yeah. Unless they, and then, you know, usually what ends up happening is they start asking, 
Right. Because right. when, when they realize that I'm paying attention and like they agree with me, then you know they can relax and they don't have to worry about did that take sound good? Right. Just do it good, you know? Um, trust. And that takes a lot off the artist too. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. totally. Right. I mean, you have to develop that trust. And that's why when artists develop that trust with an engineer, they usually stick with them right. for right. a while, right? Yeah. And that's, I think a lot of people eventually learn. I mean, there's no way for you to really learn that. I mean, you can hear it, but when you experience it, it makes right. total sense. Right. Like when they call you back or ask right. you specifically, it's like, oh, yeah. Right. I know why. Yeah. Right. What a crazy game. So, like, wait, when did you... Was SAE, like, your entrance into this whole thing? Not... Well, ki ki uh, kind of. So I started out as a DJ. Uh-huh. Um, which is not a story you hear from a lot of audio engineers. Yeah. But I, start, I think uh, I started in, like, 2012 uh -huh. uh, as a DJ. I started doing it as a hobby. Um... And then eventually I was like, man, this is an expensive hobby. Uh, <laughs> let me let me try to get a couple little gigs yeah. to, you know, pay for the gear I'm getting. And then I was like, shit, well, now I need to get more gigs to get the gear to do the gigs. Yeah. And then yeah. it kind of started piling up. And I was like, oh, shit, am I doing this professionally now? And um, so I was doing that for a couple of years. And then I, I, was, I was like, fuck it, I can just start making music. So I picked up Ableton um, and just kind of tried to self-teach you know, and I did that for a couple of years and I was like, I would like this music to sound good. Mm -hmm. And that was when I went to SAE and I thought I was just going in for like, this is how you produce music and, you know, you'll be able to make dance hits after this. And mm -hmm. um, uh, I learned about all this other stuff, the recording and the, you know, mixing, mastering. I didn't even know those were things before. Right, right. Um, when was and SAE? I liked all that stuff. Uh, I think I went in 2016. So, four so years, was, you were kind of yeah. just trying to do it yourself. Yeah. I would say it was, it was two years of DJing straight up, doing no other audio stuff, and then like two years of trying to do production. Mm. Um, well, what got you into DJing then? Um, well, so I was, I was in the Navy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I got out in 2012. And mm. when I got out... Um, they they were paying for school for me, nice. and so when I was when I was doing that, I was like, okay, you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna they're, they're paying for school. I don't really have to stress. I'm gonna do something I like doing, and I was doing that. And at the same time, I was I was I was double majoring for a little while, but um, I was like doing physics. I started out physics and nursing, then I did physics, nursing, and music. Nice. And I dropped the nursing and then eventually just dropped the physics. But um, it started out where it was like, I need a cool hobby that I like doing. And I was going to a lot of shows at the time. That was when I was really getting into the scene. And I was like, I could fucking do that. Yeah. And I, <laughs> yeah, like for the first time in my life, that was when I was like, I could, I could get, I could do this. Actually, even before that, I had, um, maybe when I was a teenager, I had, I had gotten a, a keyboard for Christmas and just kind of, I wanted to learn how to play piano, but I never like got lessons and just right. poorly taught myself how to play the piano for <laughs> years and years. Um, and, um, you know, after like five or six years of, of teaching myself the piano, I like, I knew like one song and didn't know how, like, I didn't know how I knew how to play it. I just knew that these were the buttons to push. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, but so I was like, okay, I'm not a musical person, and, and I and I realized I wanted to get into music. And at first, I was actually going to go to school 
for music management. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I'm good at talking to people. That'll that'll get me into the into the music field, right? Um, and I I just realized that was not not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was I was like, fuck it, I'll just do it as a hobby, and then spiraled upward from there. But but then how did you learn music? Just yourself? Um, what in what like, aspect? Like did you did you take classes in theory or like? Uh, so I took um, I took one piano class. Mm-hmm. It was at eight o'clock in the morning. So my attendance was not great, <laughs> not great. And also we had this we had this teacher. I I, I shit you not. She was um, she was like this little tiny old kind of mean lady. And um, I remember, I think I had learned. I don't I don't even remember what song it, oh, it was. Heart Heart and Soul or something like that. You know, like some like old rock song, like you know, like fifties rock, and she goes, "Oh, what are you? That's the devil's music." And I was like, "Oh shit, I don't know, I don't know if this is the class for me." You know, um, so I, I eventually dropped that class and then kind of just weekly taught myself music theory. What I did was, um, in order to effectively make music, what I did was I learned that there was major keys and minor keys. Mm-hmm. And then I learned how to derive major scales. Uh-huh. Um, and then, so, and I still do this to this day. Before I start a song, I say, okay, what key am I going to work with? Um, I, if I don't know the key, then if, or if I don't know the scale, then I'll look it up. And mm-hmm. then I'll just kind of practice it as I'm making it. And then, huzzah. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's, how do you, that's, but how do you, like, um, how do you say this? How do you, like, determine flow like because you have to chord progression right how do you determine like where to go how to go to the next set like how do you resolve you know what i'm talking about like um luck or trial and error <laughs> trial, it's a lot of trial and error um uh, i don't like I, th- I i've been told that a couple of times by people who like are you know music theory people who play piano well and they're like why did you do that and i'm like because yeah either that was what I could do or that's what I thought like I'm just playing by ear like I don't really if it sounds good it sounds good if it doesn't then I just don't do that right, you know? so right. there's I, um, and I so I've specifically not learned like uh, like chord modes right, yeah. that, right? With the, the progression yeah I, I didn't learn those kind of progressions on purpose because I've been told more than a few times that my progressions are interesting and i know it's because i don't know what i'm talking mm-hmm. about and i don't want to get locked into that okay uh, yeah this, this, yeah this, you know yeah 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 that's that's so fascinating because like a lot of students and this is something i couldn't really figure out for a while i did learn some music theory um i've forgotten a lot of it <laughs> uh <laughs> but um you know a lot of my students will tell me like man i wish i had learned theory because i just don't know where to go but then I talk to some people, and even myself, I find this. It's like sometimes that shit just gets in the way of like right. You gotta let the emotion and creativity guide it. Yeah, I think um, I'm kind of at the point where I, I can go and like now I can go and learn that because I've I have that built-in workflow of knowing how to not know what I'm doing. Right. Um, but at the same time, when you know music theory, when you know the right progressions, that's that's a song. 
boom, right. that's a song. Like, you don't have to think about it to make right. a song. It might not be the most interesting, but you will have a good sounding musically right. song. Right. It's so, just another you know, it's, tool to like, right. yeah, there's always a give and take. Like I, I sometimes get so frustrated, like, God, if I knew theory, I would know how to resolve from here to here. Like, I would, that's the frustrating part. But then I have a friend who's like a jazz major. Right. Who's like, who says like, man, I wish I could just kind of let go of all this and just right. focus on the emotion. So but he might just be wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, might, he might just be wrong. So uh, that's, well, that's the, so that's the beauty of, of MIDI. Right? Yes. Because, so you can record these emotional things and then when you fuck up you can go in there and find the right note and then you kind of know for next time like okay i know why that fucked up right you know if you pay attention um or if you choose to pay attention yeah 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 um but speaking of chords what do you think of i didn't even think we were going to talk about this but um the unison uh chord pack what is it called have you heard of that I thing? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. So basically, um, this guy... It's just like MIDI, MIDI chords? They're MIDI packs, and they're right. it's a MIDI pack full of chord progressions, basically. Right. Um, it's full of all the, all the chords you can think of, plus multiple chord progressions kind of categorized by pop, you know, genres and mm-hmm. jazz and whatever. And you just basically drag and drop and assign it mm-hmm. an instrument. Have you, I mean, what so, do you think? So, um... I, I I haven't used that particular one, but I am familiar with that concept. Yeah. Um. So here's the thing with those, and 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 I I kind of so the first time I ran into that, I was always very hardcore. Even since I started making music, where I was like, I'm not using other people's MIDI to make right. my music because that's other people's music. Mm-hmm. Um. So then uh, I don't know a couple years back maybe um, I had purchased. Um, it, it was a, a preset pack for Serum, I think, and then um, it came with MIDI chord progressions. And um, so the reason I bought the preset pack was not even to use those presets, but to kind of backwards engineer them so I could learn how to make these mm-hmm. kind of sounds. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, maybe I should just take a look at this MIDI and maybe I could kind of do the same thing. And, and I realized that... Um, Firstly, just if you're going note wise, they, they were doing things um, that I was I was not doing that I was mm-hmm. not even going I wasn't going to ever do. They mm-hmm. were just things I wasn't considering. Um, and so even though I, I wasn't necessarily using that MIDI, knowing what it was supposed to look like. Oh, huge, huge. Right. Because right again, the, the kind of the backwards reverse engineering kind of thing. So being able to tear that apart and say, oh, so it's that extra um, bass note that I'm missing. Or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, they're, they're not just keeping that bass line straight with the bottom note of the chord or whatever kind of thing was happening. But then on top of that, and I don't know about how that one works, mm-hmm. um, when, when you get MIDI with presets, a lot of the times what I see is that the MIDI is like made for one of the presets uh-huh, uh-huh. and um what you'll see is that there's other stuff attached to that midi right so midi clips can have um automation on them right, right? you have other than your note data you have modulation and velocity mm-hmm. and channel pressure and then i was noticing that all of that was attached to these midi clips too mm-hmm. and there was stuff that i was just not doing you know mm-hmm. uh, riding the mod wheel or you know whatever whatever the case be all stuff that I was not doing and I didn't realize was so crucial to making a sound. 
Um, Interesting. So it, again, it, it was even still to this day, I'll, I'll kind of do that where, especially if you're in kind of not pop, if you're not doing straightforward pop, there's you know there's musical kind of uh, I don't know trends. Yeah. That that are kind of more unique to certain genres. Sure. Um, so just being able to say, oh, this is what a hip hop progression looks like, or you know, that's the chord in a hip hop progression versus, oh, that's trance versus, oh, that's even even the subgenres of dance where it's like that's trance, that's house, that's future house. Um, seeing those differences, I mean, super up to my game. Like, that's fascinating. Like this. It's yeah. like it wasn't really the chord progression, but the analysis of the. Re- the chord progression yes. that was Absol- absolutely yeah ah. yeah and, and you know it's like just like anytime um you see somebody else working that's right. that's exactly what it is right it's a way to see somebody else work um and that that makes such a huge difference like you're seeing their thought process from a to b exactly right? yeah right the same um, thing tends to happen when like um when i start listening to demos of records that are out there it's like Oh shit! Okay, how so they changed. start? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. changed that part. Oh, the lyrics mm-hmm. were that. I wonder why you changed it. And then you kind of put the dots together. Yeah, I feel like you don't get that as much as you used to. Yeah. I remember. I remember there was. Um, I think it was like Panic at the Disco's first album, where um, that was back in the days of like Kazaa. When mm-hmm. you know you were downloading music, oh my god! Ran, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, yeah, you remember that? Holy yeah, there shit! It is. What a throwback! Uh, and and LimeWire, LimeWire yes. was another one, right? Yeah, yeah. So I remember before that album had come out, I was a big Panic at the Disco fan. Um, before that album came out, I was kind of individually downloading their songs, and then mm. when the album came out, I bought the album, mm. and there was two or three songs on it that were different versions. And I was like, uh, whoa, what the fuck's going on here? I, that's, yeah. I don't know that song. Yeah. And then, um, you know, being able to, I, 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 you know, listened to that kind of recently where it was like, oh, I could, I could see that in this uh, original version or whatever you want to call it, um, all the drums were programmed. Mm. You could tell it was kind of like a scratch like hey, this is it was probably the it was probably the demo they sent to A and R or whatever, and then A and R was like, hey, use your fucking drummer, play yeah. the drums on it, and they did, yeah. and that that was the album cut. That's amazing. Yeah, but you don't get to see that. You don't see that. Rarely see that anymore. I think you see it to a certain degree because like people post so much of their the making of that's on, true on their IG. So it's not as it's not the demos now. It's more of like the the I don't know process. What you call it. Yeah, the process, yeah. the story behind it or right. whatever. Or the, yeah, whatever. The IG, the IG world. Right, right. Yeah. yeah that's I, I think that's, and that's so, um, I would say that was like a skill that I had to develop was knowing what something is going to sound like when it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, because like when you're making a song, like if before you get into music, you've never heard anything other than like a mastered song or a live song. So it's at least well mixed and you know it, right. it's mastered. And then when you go to make music, it doesn't sound like that. Yeah. You're like, oh, well this doesn't sound like that. I must have no idea what's going on. And the reality is like you have to know like okay, there's 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 those different stages of music making. There's the 
the production and recording. Then there's the mixing, and then there's the mastering. So it shouldn't sound like it's mixed until it's mixed. It shouldn't sound like it's mastered mm. till it's mastered. And that was a skill that I had to develop. Um, and then, like once I finally got that idea, I was I was I was able to like make better music. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, that's like one thing I, I recommend to to people whenever um, they're kind of starting out music. And so, so this is another thing that I'm I'm really glad that I got into um, audio engineering from the dance and DJ side of things, um, because very early on. I was like entering remix contests. Mm -hmm. So um, when you enter a remix contest, what they do is they'll give you the stems of a song, mm -hmm. typically unmixed stems. And so oh. I was just downloading remix packages, not even not even remixing them, just uh -huh. to kind of, again, see how um, people are setting up their sessions and to hear what mm. an unfinished track sounds like. And um, it, it was it was one of those things that like really... It built it built up my confidence as a producer, but probably hurt my confidence a little bit as a uh, as a mix engineer. Why is that? Well, because I was like, oh, okay, so I, I did try to mix it, and it doesn't sound it doesn't sound <laughs> like the radio version. But, um, but once you get the hang of it, you kind of you kind of get it, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Holy yeah. shit, that's funny. Wow. So, okay, so you get into SAE, you start learning about the production side of things. That was 2016. Um, yeah, I think when I first met you at Engine Room. You were at SAE? I, yeah, I was, no, when I was just got out of SAE. Oh, right, because it's a year. Right, right, right. Right, right. I, I had just gotten, yeah, I was on the quick course, too. Mm -hmm. I think I graduated um, January 2017. Nice. Um, and then I... Uh, Started working at Engine Room a week later. Wait, so how did you know Bader? We went to high school together. Oh right, right, right. It was it was really funny because I was actually I hadn't seen I hadn't seen Bader in a while. It was like a it was probably like a month or two, maybe a month before I got out of SAE. And I just happened to see him at like a friend's barbecue. We were just kinda like hanging out, you know, having a couple of drinks and we were like catching up and I was like, Hey, what are you fucking doing now? And he's like, Oh yeah, I do music. I was like, I music now you know? <laughs> and uh he's like uh oh okay so are, are you like in music i was like i'm in sa he's like i went to sa yeah and then we kind of did that whole thing he's like dude come come to engine room you should do that and, and i'm so glad he did because um no fucking way was i gonna do it like yeah. i in my head again in my head i was like all right i'm gonna be a music producer i'm a dj i have to make music and um you know fuck that studio stuff right right um but he's like dude trust me just come on over it's and you know i, I really had nothing else going on at the time so yeah, i was yeah. like yeah fuck it let me go uh best 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 decision i ever made best going, decision like ever going to a studio you mean yeah yeah for sure um because um at the time i didn't realize excuse me um uh, i didn't realize how intertwined the music making processes mm -hmm. you know Becoming a better recording engineer made my music better. You know, becoming a better mix engineer made my production better. Becoming, you know, if you learn about mastering, your mixing gets better. You learn about recording, your mixing gets better. And, and all these things overlap each other so much. And that is something I would never have realized. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the um, collaborative 
portion of it. Seeing how other people work and working and having other people are like, hey, we should work on stuff together. Even if like, it, you know, it never leaves that room. Right. That, that collaborative. And like I said, I'd been essentially doing music by myself in a bubble. Like I have no music friends, right? So it's totally like by myself in a bubble for like four years. Mm. And so like, I didn't even know how to work with other people. I'd be like, yeah, just shut up. Let me do this. You know, like, and, <laughs> uh, I still do that sometimes, but I'm like better at not doing that. Um, but yeah, that all of that stuff, working, working in a studio, learning about the process, learning about how other people do their stuff. And, um, you know, a, a, another big thing too is, you know, when you're producing, when you're making your own music, when you're producing your own music, you do every step of this process. And so sometimes all of the stages suffer because you're doing all of them. And then, um, you know, working professionally at a studio, I'm just the recording engineer or I'm right. just the mixing engineer or I'm just the mastering engineer. Right. And I realized, oh, you know, I'm not a bad mix engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I, I work on other people's records and they, they sound great. Right. And, it, and then I work on mine and it's like, hey, why doesn't it sound like that when I... You know, it, it's not as good when I do it for other people, you know. And um, so, like, learning that, splitting those stages up and that I can do all of those things, huge, huge help. Man. So thanks for the job, buddy. <laughs> was, it, was it me? Yeah. Oh, I'm actually so, I'm still, I still hold a grudge against you because, <laughs> all right, so I, I, um, I was living, I was living in central Jersey and I was... I was going into Manhattan to go to Engine Room. I had set up an interview to meet you. I had set up an interview to meet you. I, I had taken the two and a half hour train ride to get into Manhattan. I wait at Engine Room for an hour. Guess who doesn't show up? The almighty Jeep can't make it. Wait, I was when was this? Where was I? Uh, so I found out later, intimately, that uh, you were hung up at one of the office spaces. Oh, God damn it. Yep, yep. And then I, remember, I actually remember I remember getting hung up doing that job, doing the same job you did, getting hung up, hung up like a year or two later and going, that's why. I, I get, get it. it now. I get it. I'm not, I'm not that mad anymore. I, I, yeah. Uh, Holy shit. And you I, did it twice, by the way. I just want to point out, you no, did it twice. No, I did. Yeah, yeah. And, but then the third time, the third time I came in, um, it was funny because you weren't even like ready for an interview because you still had other stuff going on. Uh, but I think Chris Griffin was doing a drum yes. mixing tutorial. You were there. I remember yes. this. And you're like, all right, cool. Just help set up and stuff. And you know, we did that. And I, I, I just ended up hanging out all day with that. And then uh, we were like walking downstairs, and you're like, "Oh yeah, you got the job." <laughs> like, so, <laughs> Did I interview oh, yeah, you at all? <laughs> I don't even know, man. I think we were just talking, and I was just kind of like handing you stuff as you were doing things. <laughs> Holy shit! Because yeah. in my head, this is so funny that this is all coming back. Oh, now. let me hear your perspective. My yeah, perspective please. was the first time I even my first memory of you is Chris Griffin drum tracking. Yeah. I, I would don't be. remember. Yeah, because you didn't show no. up the other two times. <laughs> yeah, and, that makes and sense. I do remember. I remember Bader vouching for you a lot, um, and I can't remember. Oh, fuck, I can't remember if he, if you like brought it up when I missed the first two, but I do remember him vouching for you a lot, and 
you've had the job. So like when somebody like Bader right. vouches for a person, it's like I don't even put it as a thought. It's like okay, right, that guy's, right, right. That guy's yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, All right, yeah, so totally, I don't have totally. to. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of like let it out of my head. Right. And then when I eventually saw you, that's probably why I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you got it. But like, holy shit, dude. But my okay. Well, here's a good question then. You never wanted to get into the studio space. Right. So then why the fuck would you travel twice and then come a third time? Like, what made you even, like, the first time, why didn't you just say, what, fuck this? I mean, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Fuck that shit. Um, I, I, I think probably, um, A, probably Bader talking me into it. Mm-hmm. B, not much better going on, but then C, like knowing that it was, it was, it was important. Like Mm. I I knew that I barely had a grasp on the music industry Mm -hmm. and I knew that if I just fucking went back in my basement and did my own thing that I I might get stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I knew that being in the industry i think i even like i was talking to my dad about it where i was like hey do i fucking do this or not he's like dude you know a foot in the door is a foot you know um that's a foot further than you had kind of thing uh, so yeah you almost pushed me out but uh here here we are today so thank you yeah yeah i I was testing you the whole time oh yeah yeah (laughs) make sure you really i was in the other room the whole time (laughs) let me see you passed the test (laughs) Dude, I think the same thing happened to Rohan. Uh, he oh, I told me that. like years, years later. He told me he's like, dude, I I reached out to you so many times because I wanted the internship, and like you yeah. kept like you kept blowing me off. And yeah. I I can be like that. I know. I get it. And then I remember especially one in that day, job. especially in that, which I do want to I do want to talk yeah. about. Um, but I just remember one day, like he kind of cornered me by the elevator. <laughs> Hey guy. And, yeah, <laughs> buddy, like, buddy. It's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he, and, and you're like, like, this guy must be important. He's got a fedora. No, honestly, <laughs> it was it was one of those things where it's like I right. knew I was going to give it to him. Right. I just right, right. never made it. Oh official yeah, he was in the program too. So you had you were familiar with him. He was in the program. Right. I was right. a fan of his band in India. Right. So it's right, like right. what and like we were already getting along. You know, we'd right, already right. started to talk. So it's like. It just made sense. And when things, like when you have like 20,000 things and one thing makes sense, you just don't think about it. And that was, again, that was to my fault. But at the same time, yeah, he, he, I remember him saying years later, he's like, dude, you like blew me off so many times. I didn't, I thought you just didn't want me. And he got an offer from a different place as well and still chose Engine Room. (laughs) I was was testing all of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, could you imagine if 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 uh, gee, could you imagine if Rohan got a job at a different studio? How how fewer hangovers I'd have to this day? My hangover count would have went way out the floor. <laughs> you and him, something the universe just like st- <laughs> it just explodes when you the dreamless get- team we used to call right. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are quite the pairing. It's like whenever whenever you guys are hanging out. That is like my cue to exit. Because I've, I've seen, I, I, I always see that look in your eyes when you go, uh huh. All right, guys, I gotta, I gotta call it. And you like, usually get out early enough too, which is smart. Yes, yes. 
Yeah, Here's the thing. Yeah. I, I, the one I remember the most, I guess, was like when me and Shailene came and then Rohan was there. We were doing a bunch of recordings and you came uh, and then like Shailene, such a sweet kid, right? Yeah. But <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm just going to hang out and vibe out with these guys. And then I'm like, I saw Rohan and Rohan's like, no, dude, I'm not drinking tonight. I'm not doing it. I'm like, all right, I'll see you at home. See I know what's. I know where this goes. I've seen this so much. Like, I don't need. You guys are just amazing together. And like when we shot yeah. that video, you were right there on the couch. You and oh my god, it was one of the funnest nights of my life. That was a good time. Yeah. Holy that was a good time. shit! And you bailed out early, so that was. <laughs> that's, that was probably the night. It's like I knew. I knew that this was only the beginning of the night. Right. It's, it's like. All right, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys are fantastic together. Holy nice, shit. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, like, yeah, you were an intern. Did you ever become a GA? No, you were a mastering assistant. Yeah, but that was a brief stint, but yeah. Brief did stint. Did do that. Um, and then when did you take the job? Probably 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like a little bit, like leading like, up to it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say I'd been there for like a year at the time. That sounds about right. I think the tale of 20, I want to say end of summer 2017, I told Mark, like, I'm, I'm pretty done. Um, I don't think I have anything to offer, blah, 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 blah. Right, right. Um, and uh, that was when me and him, <laughs> no, of course, Mark's question was like, uh, so is this going to be like a two-week thing or are we just going to figure it out? I'm like, we'll figure it out. And then obviously that goes on for months. It was like months, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is fine. And then yeah. like eventually I told him like, hey, this is like at the end of this year. I think I'm going to call it. Um, so yeah, I remember the tail end of that year. That was when we started talking about either you or Rohan becoming the operations manager. And Leonard was in the mix too. Oh yeah, Leonard. I, but I knew Leonard wasn't gonna yeah, take it. No that chance. was not his yeah. thing. Right. Uh, and thank God he didn't take it. Yeah, yeah. For everybody. <laughs> For everybody. Yeah. Can you imagine him up in those events? <laughs> he. I literally can't. I literally can't. I physically can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't even imagine him climbing. I, he can't climb that ladder because he's right. scared of heights. Yep. He's yep. scared of heights. I remember. I, I was. I was in the vent, and mind <laughs> you, the vent's what 10, 10, 15 feet off the floor, right? Fifteen, 15 probably. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, and I was up there. I was like kind of hanging out, and I, I had left a screwdriver on the floor. And Len was down there. I was like, Len, can you hand me that screwdriver? And he, he picks it up <laughs> without even stepping on the ladder. He, Fifteen. He goes like this, like this, and reaches up. I go, buddy, I can't, I can't get that, man. And he he steps on the first, first foot of the ladder, but he doesn't take his other foot off the ground. <laughs> he reaches up again. I go, all right, I'll come down. I'll come down. Yeah, I, I'll never, I'll never forget that. Oh my god, I, I, the one time, I asked him to. Uh, climb up the ladder he did come like about halfway i don't know what i think i might have i don't remember how i said it maybe i was just pissed because i was up in the vent all day or whatever and i just needed to siphon some water it was like ridiculous yeah so i was like dude you just gotta come just fucking come up halfway it's like, it, it, G, anything for you g uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was so sweet because he was shaking shaking the right time. shaking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You can see the look on his face where he's like, he's not kidding. Like, he's, <laughs> he's legitimately no, no. scared 
being that high off the ground. Yeah, you oh can see it. Oh my god, I, I feel. I don't want to laugh at his fear, but it was fucking funny. No, it was hilarious. Yeah. It was yeah. hilarious, and I didn't. I was so like cold and emotionless when I asked him to climb up those ladders. I only see it now. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the moment, it's like, dude, yeah. I'm in so much pain. I'm right. aching. I'm itching. Right. I just want to do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Dude. So when you took the job, it was uh, like, what, what, what was your first like dabbling in the job? Because I think in the months leading up, you definitely started to like pitch in on certain things, especially when it came to fixing shit up, which I was fucking terrible at right so my um my dad was always kind of like in that handyman kind of business um Mm -hmm. you know a contractor and maintenance and i mean he's you know does maintenance even still um so i was always kind of and he always showed me how to do things and uh so i was always pretty hands-on um and um i I guess i'd probably had a more a, a lot more uh music gear experience than a lot of people because I had my own DJ set up which right. you know I'm had that whole thing going um, but then when I was when I was on shift as an intern um, so the way that those internships work you're pretty much just sitting in the front office until somebody needs you to do something right. um, and you're picking up the phone and I just fucking hated <laughs> picking up that phone I hated doing it because there was always something there was always some drama when you pick up the phone it wasn't about it so um, we had the broken bin in the shop. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let me, um, I, I was on shift with Leonard. Leonard was my shift partner, like the whole time I was an intern and, uh, Leonard didn't love picking up the phone. He didn't want to go anywhere. So, um, I was like, all right, dude, you sit, you sit in here, you take the phone. I'm going to go do shit in the shop. If you need me, let me know. And he'd be like, okay. You know, and he was, he was all good with that. So that's, that's what I did. I would just start, um, trying to fix shit in the shop and, um, admittedly uh, while i knew how to like work these tools i didn't necessarily know what i was doing um and so you know i would fuck up stuff but then eventually i was kind of getting the hang of it and i was actually fixing stuff and then um that was kind of how i got on the radar radar and then i was doing um just other general contracting maintenance work for Mm -hmm. um, mark you know Mm non-audio related stuff painting walls and things like that Right. Um, so I guess that kind of put me on that radar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of led to... I guess that was one of the things that... Because um, you had the the technical skill set when it came to that mm-hmm. stuff. That was like that was what was going for you. And Rohan had like the businessy right. manager style that had... A, so it was really between the two of you. And I can't remember why we can't i don't, I don't even know if because business business manager stuff doesn't make doesn't save you money but yeah. but being able to fix stuff does i think that's probably maybe why it I, went that way i have no idea i i don't even think i played a decision in that i think i told scott that i think rohan's the guy and obviously i was like just looking out i just wanted him right. to get paid right. really um but rohan then, might even about out i think he did I think, I think he, he did. Yeah. I think he was. He started to realize. He might have had this conversation with you personally. It's like right. he started to realize. Like you know what? I think I'm better off doing other shit. Right. But that eventually ended up with you. Like, and I think that was how it started. Right. Like you just started 
fixing stuff around the place. You started yeah. understanding what it was well, like to uh, manage. It, um, it, I, I, it was, it was, I was, I was very proactive. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that was kind of the thing. Um, and I always tell people that as an intern, like, and I don't think people understand what I'm talking about. It's like, be proactive. You know, um, if there's stuff to do, do it. And do it well, and then you know, don't bitch about it. At least in right. front of other people, go bitch about right. it on your own. Right. Um, and I was, I was very eager um, to get get sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it well, I wasn't there for very long before I was like, okay, how do I get sessions? You right. know, and um, so I got, I guess I got put on the radar pretty quick between doing sessions and fixing stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's kind of, were you teaching as an intern? Do you remember? I was, yeah, I was, I, I was, so. I was an intern and I was teaching. That was another thing too. I remember, cause I remember actually I, like no one, no one would ever came up to me and was like, Hey, uh, you're moving up from the intern world. You're not an intern anymore. I remember going into Mark's office and be like, I was like, I'd been teaching students for like three months or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd been doing paid sessions. Right. Um, and I was like, I don't think I should be an intern anymore. He goes, oh, yeah, no. And then that was it. <laughs> and I just wasn't an intern anymore. Huh. Um, but yeah. And then you officially got the job, what, top of 2018? That's something like I that. I really don't remember. That's when I left. I right, left yeah. at, at the end of 2017. Um, there was a... Oh, it's very nice of Mark to throw a little, grow, getting a, by. What is it called? Farewell party. Uh, farewell party, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which uh, I getting, also a, dipped. getting getting goodbye party. Yes, they have getting those. Goodbye yeah. party. Yes. It's is that what they call it in India? It's yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> getting very goodbye, buddy. Yes, it's a are. very good goodbye. <laughs> uh, and that too, I dipped out early on that one too. I'm just not yeah, that guy. I do I'm not remember that, that guy, bro. Just not that guy. Um, but then right afterwards, I guess you got the job and like, so what was it like? Because I, I, I was away the whole time, or at least for the first part so of that. So it's actually, it's funny you say that because right, you left right away. I think you had left like the day after you were, you stopped working. You might have yes. had like one or two days to pack or something like that. I literally, no, yeah, you're right. I literally did my last day and then left two days later or something. Right, right. I think I remember you saying, I have to pack, so uh, I can't work today. Yeah, I remember yeah. you saying that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the adjustment was a little rough because I think I only shadowed you for a week and a half maybe. Right, right. Um, and uh, I remember Mark always being like, yeah, yeah, if you have any problems, just just call Jeet. And I'm like, dude, no, he's, he's in <laughs> India. There's like a 12-hour time difference guy. I can't just be calling him if I'm having little problems. So I used to, so I would I would like often I would just try to figure shit out myself which yeah. I do I do anyway. Right. Um, so the learning curve was a little rough. Um, the first thing I did and not that it's your fault but I kind of was like making workflows of the place make more right. sense to me like right, okay right, right. well how does this internship work like I, I had to put like my own kind of systems in place for sure right for sure um so once i got through that it was um i'll tell you i really leaned heavily on uh on the gas i leaned Mm -hmm. on them so hard um Mm -hmm. so like rohan i remember having a conversation with him like you said before he was more of the the business guy and i was like yeah rohan i need you to be you know i need you to be 
the dog on these interns you know like yeah, if yeah. they fuck up you get on their asses and he's like cool <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, was, yeah, yeah. he was really good at it too he was really yeah. good at it um so i leaned on him a lot for that um len too len was um a ga at the time and i think um i think uh oh, darley i think darley was there at first oh, right and darley had been a ga for a long time so i was leaning right. on him like what the fuck am i supposed to do dude or like right. you know right. how much stuff do i tell you to do versus what do i what do i do yeah um and i started just kind of figuring that out because the you know like we said the technical stuff cool i could do that um yeah. you know the the management stuff is you know not not super natural yeah, yeah 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 i mean i i like i said i was in the military and i mm -hmm. like i had a little bit of rank so like i had taken classes on how to lead people but leading people in the military and leading people in the civilian world especially when they're unpaid interns yeah yeah like you know it was it was so hard for me to be hard on them because it's like you know i i did that where it was you right. know i travel two and a half hours do a, a fucking 15 hour shift and then two and a half hours home or sleep on the couch for my next shift or whatever it was. Right. Um, so that was, always, that was, that was something that took me a while to figure out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, dude, already two things that you just mentioned were like two big mistakes that I had made, or at least I had made. And I don't know if I fully figured them out. One was not leaning on the GAs for some right. reason for a long time. And like, Fuck, I did that job for a while, right? Yeah. It's like I, for some reason, thought I had to do everything. Because th th that's that's not management mentality. That's exactly. worker mentality. Right? I, Your I'm job... A I'm a worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Your job is to tell people what to do. And um, you don't... you don't, and, and then at the same time, I, what probably... I, I, I started going down that road too where... Because um, if things don't get done, it then falls on you. So you go, well, if nobody's doing it, I'm going to do it. Right. Right. And then that that becomes a slope where you just stop telling people to do things because they don't get done. Yeah. Yeah. So I get I that. I totally, totally fell down that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I ever got out of that until I actually left and right. got some perspective on yeah. things. Uh, and then the other big mistake was, um, so the guy who originally set up basically all the, um, the, what's the word? The foundation for the tech, like backups, camera systems, right. internships, oh, fuck all system. those things. Yeah. The guy who set it up was actually, um, I want to say, uh, I think it was two operations managers before me. Right. And he had it left, was, like, it I was, was an what, Benoit, Benoit and then Nicor. Benoit. Right. And, um, and for some reason I was hesitant to change that and make it work for my flow, which I totally should have done. Yeah. I think I was so worried that like, well, it works fine. It if works I fuck fine. it up, right. it might be worse. It's like, oh my God, I don't yeah. want that. But yeah, you have to. You and that have. happens too. That does happen. Yeah. Um, Dude. but then, you know, you learn about it. Yeah, and and that's I mean that that applies to fucking anything, you mm -hmm. know. Use a system that makes sense to you that works for you, and then realize that that system has to be updated. Yeah. Right. Everything everything gets updated because even if when the first dude put that in place, even if that was the best way to do things, you know, right. especially when you're talking technology and like backups yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Three years later, 
especially when you're talking between like 2012 versus 2018, right? That's that's a huge jump. You know, that's that's a huge huge jump. Um, So yeah, you kind of you you have to to be on top of it Mm. for sure. um, So leaning on the GA has definitely helped. So you were focusing more on like the the technical shit. Well, um, so what it boiled down to was was kind of two things. It was like, I'm going to – I know what has to get done. You have a list of shit that has to get done. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to delegate this stuff out to whoever I think can get it done. But then at the same time, there are some things that other people just – you know, we didn't have other people that could solder as well. Right. Right? It wasn't for a while. Um, it wasn't probably till like halfway through – my time as operations manager till I had somebody else, Frank, who I could lean on uh-huh, and say, hey, uh-huh. we need to fix this stuff, which, you know, f- would free me up to do other things. Right. Um, so that was kind of how that went down. It was just kind of like you have to delegate as much as you can, but at the same time, if, if no one else can do it, you have to. Right. Um, but, and then all at the same time, I know in my head I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to be the operations mm. manager. I don't want this job forever. Um, I'm trying to get sessions. Right. So um, all the while I'm doing this, you know, full full time job and um, taking sessions whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, trying and to teaching. improve my craft and teaching. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, I was putting in a lot of hours. When I was operations manager, I think I slept at the studio three nights a week. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because you didn't have to go back all the way to... Right. right. Yeah, that was, a, that was a brutal trip. Brutal trip. Man. But you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And now I don't have to do that. And, and you know, I'm better for it. You know, I, I know I know my limits of not... You know, like, I know my limits of exhaustion. Right. You know, I know, I know how hard I can push myself. Um, I know when I should be saying yes to that extra right. session or saying right. no to that session. Yeah. Cause I've yeah. done that too, where I've said yes to a session and been fucking smoked <laughs> and just not did as good a job as I should have done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, do you recall like a, a, a bad one? A bad one. Well, like where you, where you knew you were pretty burnt there, by the time there, it started. There was a couple, there was probably, there was one that was a little bigger. Um, there was one that was a little bigger where it was kind of like um, a band, not like a rock band. Like they had uh, – we had drums, but we had like horns and uh, all sorts of things. And so I started doing that. I think it was like right after my right after my shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of like setting this up. And, and so most sessions that I do there, um, I, I'm the guy who sets – things up or you know picks the setup i pick out my own microphones and you know so on and so forth and uh you know i usually rarely ever have to deal with anybody else when it comes to that in this particular session they had a producer they Mm -hmm. had a guy come in um and so i had the drums i had the drums mic'd up and the guy comes in he's like okay um so i'm just gonna have my engineer check this for you and he pulls out his phone and the guy's on facetime and he went to every i swear to on every Every microphone on the drums, like, good, 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 good. And now, and, 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 you know, like, when you know what you're talking about, that gets a little offensive, so I'm already a little offended. But I was, I was and I was tired, so yes, now I'm getting, like, yes. frustrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, 
So I'm kind of just running. I'm a little, you know, mush headed at the moment. And I'm kind of just running around putting mics on stands. And I think, do you know what it was? It was the Royer. The Royer mm-hmm. 121. So you know how it's a side address mic, right? Mm-hmm. I had put it on the stand and I had just kind of put it like this. And and the guy comes up to me and he goes, hey, the fuck? Like, you know, like, what are you doing? That's not how this mic... I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, And I kind of <laughs> just kind of blew him off and kind of ran around and kept doing the things that I was doing. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, they, they ended up they ended up not liking me at all. And, wow. I, and everything came out. Everything came out fine. Oh, and then another thing that happened in that session... Um, we were, we were using the Coles ribbon microphone on the horns Mm -hmm. and I had them, I want to say I had them about a foot and a half, two feet off. Um, and those, those Coles are, you know, they're, they're fragile. Yeah. Move them closer. I was like, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I've never tested the limits of these ribbon mics and I don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, move it closer. I was like, listen, you know, it's a very fragile mic. It's an old mic. Um, it, there's a chance that we could break it if we, and you know, we're talking, you know, trumpets and shit, which put out a lot wow. of air. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to go up here and I'm kind of like not happy about it. And he, you know, so there was just a lot of tension in the room. Mm. Nothing like went well, but everything came out good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all the recordings were good. Um, but yeah, they ended up talking to Mark the next day and they were like, and Mark was like, you know how to use a Royer? And I was like, yeah, dude, I just, I was, I was just like running around putting stuff on stands. And I, he's like, and you know about ribbon microphones in general? I was like, yes, yes, I know. Oh, no. Yeah. And so, and, and you know, that was the first, that was probably like the only time anybody ever talked to Mark about me as far as recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Fucking hell. Don't do shit tired. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But like what you said about like now you've learned when to say yes to things because yeah. you don't want to do things just to do things. You want to do things so that you can do them well and right. put yourself forward. Right. It's because yeah. if even even if you, you have to be thinking not even just like, hey, I need to move forward, which obviously you want to be thinking about that. But you have to you have to put a line at like I definitely cannot move back if there is a chance <laughs> If there's a chance I'm gonna fuck this up, that like one fuck up is way worse than a hundred. One win, yeah, oh yeah, yeah hundred. Yeah, 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 you know. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many people, how good, good recording engineers that I saw, you know, get you know blacklisted, or you know, not get sessions, or even get fired because you know something went wrong during a session, like or like during a a podcast or whatever when it stops recording mm-hmm, mid-session mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they don't catch it and then the client didn't get their files right. or whatever and um you know so if you and that, that's actually that's another point on that i never did podcast there which was the the number one way to get session i would not do podcasts because they were so prone to getting fucked up because mm-hmm. it, it's a whatever it was two two hour recording and you can't be in the room that's the killer Right, like I can't even. How am I going to monitor this, right? right. And um, so I would not take those sessions, even though it was it was money. Yeah. I, I couldn't take them because it was just it was high risk, low reward. That's that's so, dude. Not being in the room is a huge killer. How like, are you going to do that? Still, you can still hear audio, and it might not even be recorded. Right. I'm actually a little afraid because I have I have you on full screen, and I can't see this recording <laughs> right now. Yeah. Oh, I've been I've been like swiping oh, and shit, just making. I should be swiping. I should be swiping. Okay, I think we're good. We're good. Okay, we're good. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make your picture a little. What? A, this is your first podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
okay. this is why I don't do these. This is why it's I don't natural. do these. It's natural. It's natural. No, no, I, I totally get it. Yeah, that's that was like I remember that being a huge killer. And um, how many times have people fucked up because they couldn't be in the room? It just it's inevitable. Yeah, and and a lot of times it's like, you know, not even necessarily your fault. Yeah. You know, um, where there's like weird because you're working in especially like at, at, a, at a bigger studio like Edward, we have several rooms. You have, what, four, right. four or five different rooms that you're potentially working in. Yeah. The settings on the computer just might be a little bit different. Yeah. And, you know, when Pro Tools says quit on this computer, it might not say quit on the other computer. So you might be used to one thing, <laughs> not used to the other, you know? Um, I actually stopped taking sessions in Dubway. I still don't do sessions in Dubway. I haven't taken a paid session in Dubway. I've taken maybe one in the past... Two, two, two or so years because um, those rooms are a little less predictable mm, really is um, it the rooms or is it the drives our half of the drive on our on the room because I, I can't um, even remember so the thing with those rooms is they're getting used by a lot more people mm-hmm Right. So inevitably and then and then there's two separate drives on the computer. So inevitably there's gonna be shit that's just Right. There's stuff that's supposed to just work. Yeah. You know, I shouldn't have to go through a list of shit that's supposed to just work just to make it work. Right. Um so that's one thing. And then, you know, our communication with their side wasn't necessarily the best, so sometimes stuff wouldn't be working Mm -hmm. and they knew it but we wouldn't know it. Um and then, yeah, so like, and then the big thing for that, so the, you know how those, they have those three rooms that are connected together by their uh, c- control room or their shop or whatever. Um, so like if you're troubleshooting an issue, you have to like leave the room, mm-hmm. run down the hall, check something, yeah. run back, see if it worked. If it doesn't it work, sketchy you're running. I, I was fucking <laughs> like running man down that fucking hallway more times than I could count. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it looks sketchy to the client. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. You, know, you, can't, you can't keep doing that. Right. You can't keep doing that. Um, yeah. Especially, and then those rooms are like so small too, where like when you're running in and out, it, it gets more hectic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I totally stopped doing sessions down there. I've been uh, I've been totally trying to avoid doing anything in Dubway. Yeah. Uh, as, I mean, I've done so much in Dubway. I mean, mainly because of convenience. But like, right. yeah, I, I've tried to avoid it so hard. But my reasoning is more for I just I just don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny too because um, after you left. Um, so Nicole, Nicole, who was the manager mm. over there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would kind of like sit down and talk to her and be like, okay, I could see there's animosity here, but we're cool, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so like we would kind of like go out and have drinks with them, you know, after work on a couple of right, days just to right. kind of, uh, hey, you know, what, what can we do to kind of make things better? Because a, a lot of the problems we had, they would be like little problems that would go to the top of the chain of command right, right away. Right. right. So it's like, hey, you know, if somebody doesn't take the trash out, you don't need to fucking call the owner and right. tell them that somebody fucked up. We could handle that on a much lower level. And then the right. tension doesn't build up as much. Right. And uh, so we were doing that for a while. And it was it was kind of working. Awesome. Um, but one thing that's really hard about working in a, in a studio environment like that, especially as management, is the 
the churn of the interns. Mm. You know, like the people who were interns, you know, change completely every six months. Yeah. So it's it's you know hard to reteach this same kind of mentality to everybody, and then right. um, to find those people that you can rely on to handle these problems and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, that's the the world you got to live with. So true. So true. Fuck. A lot of memories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wait, when did you leave uh, the operations gig? I I didn't even think I did it for a year. I want to say, if I'm not mistaken. Now that I'm thinking about it, I want to say you stopped, I think it was like right before Christmas. Yeah. Like right at the end of the Sounds year. Sounds right. Um, and then I stopped, I want to say like September. Mm-hmm. I think I only made it like eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, then I was done with it. Was that like a buildup of like just, you wanted to do so many things and you wanted to, you didn't, you weren't sure about what to say yes to and no to and all that stuff that we just talked about? Uh, well, yeah. So firstly, you know, it got to one of the, one of the factors was that, you know, like I said, the goal was never to be management. Right, it was right. always to be in that, uh, you know, in that uh, capacity to be an engineer, right. right, and, and, right. and also be a producer. Um, so, when I was either not when I was not getting when I was getting less sessions mm-hmm. because I was operation manager that was that was becoming a problem because mm-hmm. um, you know that's missing out on a lot of opportunities um, there was that then like I said I was just fucking smoked from the the traveling and the not right. sleeping well and stuff and mm-hmm. I have I have sleep problems as it is so that was not helpful for that stuff it right. got to a point where like like I was like sleeping through alarms and actually showing up late to work. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it was kind of giving, giving off the, the vibe that I didn't give a fuck what was going on around right, me. I was, just, right. I was just smoked like we yeah. were talking about before, you know? Um, so that was a big part of it too. And then, um, you know, I, I, I was also at the point, where, you know, I knew all, I knew both of those things were going to be an issue when I started the job. I knew mm-hmm. that going in. Um, but, it there was always that idea of you know there is something to gain out of this right right, right. so when it when it kind of hit that curve where it was like all right not really improving right, right. and now it's it's kind of not helping yep that was that was kind of I think uh, that's exactly point. the same reasons or yeah. there's a lot of overlap right with right. Um, exactly what you're saying exactly. one of the other things that kind of like eventually came to mind and um took me a while to get over it but like it's not it's it's not a job that you're supposed to keep it's not right. how it's designed just right. by design it's not like right. that and you can be mad at it you can fight as much as you want but sometimes it is what it is right right uh, yeah totally and, and you know the, the the also the pay wasn't there to make it you know that worthwhile and and, you know that's how the job was totally set up it was like hey you know i know this person isn't going to be here forever right um and and that and everybody was kind of okay with that and and that that was that was one thing too where like i would start to get mad at like certain aspects of the job Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then and then then realizing that was kind of a, a little zen where it was like okay yeah you know it's it's not against me yeah. You know, nobody's telling me to go fuck myself. It's just like, that's how it is. Right. And, you know, uh, but then when I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore, that was that. 
Yeah, dude. I mean, I didn't even get to that Zen place until I left for three months right. and came back, yeah. and yeah. I re- and it was I was able to like finally look at it as like you look at all that like you've learned being in the position and like you've grown blah 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 and then all the shit that you have to go through etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you know you realize that like exactly you put it really well like there there is a tipping point to where the the gain versus the right. you know what do you actually so that took me a while to get to and like it was such a cool moment to like be like oh yeah this that's just that's just how it works like right it's supposed yeah, to I, cycle I, well, I, through I was done when I was done with that job. I didn't leave on bad terms. Right. You know, I still work in there in in, in a couple of ca- capacities, but um, I just knew that wasn't my place there. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't leave on bad terms. Right. But in my head, I was like, "Fucking fuck." fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But but like, uh, yeah, no. I mean, obviously, because you let that stuff build up a lot longer than I did. Dude, that's that's something that like I was very. And I'm still trying to get over it to this day, but like I, you know, keep that shit fucking right. build. I build that shit up, and yeah. like I never, I, I, dude, the idea of going to my boss and being like, "Hey, I don't think I'm comfortable with it." I don't, doesn't even register. To right? Me. Yeah, yeah, dude, so. I totally hear you. I totally hear you. Um, and it was funny too because you know, you, know, you kind of have that mentality, and then in, in most cases. When you do that and you go up to the boss and say, hey, you know, I think this could be better or, hey, I'm having a problem with this. Usually there's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Do, do you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right. And you're like, you don't, you never think of it like that. You just kind of one of those head down, push through the shit kind of people. Yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. That. yeah. 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 That's so interesting. And you know what? I, I even at some point thought, wow, I wish somebody had told me that this is not a permanent job and it's going to eventually right. cycle through. But then I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. Don't think I would have learned it as well. Right. It just then because you wouldn't have pushed this hard. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So, either Mark's a genius, <laughs> or it's right. dumb luck. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Bader We're going a little are, bit of both. We're going yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, Bader yeah. and I are still debating that. It's like, is he like really just a genius, and we just don't? <laughs> or is this? Like, it's it's so funny because he's like right so often, and, and I just like. God damn it, he's God right, you know. Damn it. <laughs> I think he was he was he was wrong one time and I got to correct him. And I, I walked home like this. How you doing? Uh, how you doing? Yeah, I was fucking so stuck. It was like only that one time. It was like one time. Yeah. Oh dude, no, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know like the rent is paid like right opposite um the building. Have you right, ever been yes. to that? Yep, across right. street, yeah, yeah. So the funniest thing, I don't know why this came to mind, but we were talking about Mark being right. Uh, so he had a check and he gave it to Shailene. I don't know if you've heard this story. I vaguely remember it, yeah. So he tells Shailene, like, mm. this has to go in <laughs> tonight. Walk down the street and to your <laughs> and to your left. Like, you'll eventually see a waterfall kind of... Right, right. Dude, Shailene walks, like, all the way to, like, Canal He walked to Midtown, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he went, like, 30 blocks. It was across the street. It was, like, when he said up the street, he was, like, one building up and one building over. And this dude went... This dude was... I think it was, like, what is he out for, like, four hours? Dude, he called Mark and he's, like... He's almost I'm in cool. Harlem. He's, like, yo, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I didn't see a waterfall. What do you got? <laughs> 
dude, I needed that check-in today. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. Oh, and then Shailene. Oh, what an adorable kid. He is. That's oh, a good word Jesus for him. He is adorable. He is adorable, bro. Yeah, isn't he? He's, he's amazing. And yeah, him. Yeah. I still, I'm still, uh, he was here, actually, a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, dude. He's just still the same guy. Just, yeah, like, I bet, yeah. Doing his thing, man. I fucking love it. Um, so now what? Are you just doing sessions and teaching over there? Um, at Endroom, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, nice. Yeah, I was even taking kind of like the side gigs of uh, contracting stuff. Nice. I stopped doing that, too. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much teaching and... Um, yeah, rare now. Now it's very rarely sessions. Right, um, right. There's not a whole bunch of stuff coming in, um, and it's usually the same people. So it's makes usually sense. the same engineers. So totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you about Ableton because, cool. so as part of like the whole, um, you know, me teaching at SAE, I do have to teach Ableton. Mm-hmm. So I took. So I took like couple of months to really kind of dive into it and just on record i'm gonna say ableton is fucking dope dude it is it's super dope it's like to the point where i wonder if i should like make like buy it and like make it like a legitimate part of my sessions yeah i i would highly recommend it especially if you've already like you're in a fortunate position where um you're getting paid to learn ableton yeah Right, so the biggest kind of turnoff for other people that are at the professional level, um, you know, like Grimaldi, I was trying to talk yeah. into, um, you know, this dude's making records professionally and he doesn't have time. He's using Pro Tools, and I'm like, dude, listen, if you're in Ableton and you get good at Ableton, you will make better music. I see your workflow. I know it, it will be improved. I can tell you right. that. But at the same time, he can't take two or three months. Yep. to learn Ableton, because yep. then he's losing money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in that fortunate position where that kind of gets offset, where you yeah. have to learn Ableton to get paid. And it is um, a quite a, like, there is a learning curve. It is not like pro Totally, totally, yeah. Right. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the concepts are similar, right. um, but it's not as, um, you know, boom, boom, as, yeah. as other DAWs can be, yeah. But just from the ground up, it's just... There, it's a compl- it's a different approach. So, if you're so comfortable with Pro Tools, I can see why. Right. And, and, well, in. so when when I um, what when I when I tell people to like learn Ableton that are coming from other DAWs, um, everybody gets thrown off by the um the session view mm-hmm. with the clips in it, right? Yeah. Um, because that's that's a foreign concept, right? That's uh, up until recently that was really only an Ableton thing, but right. the reality is you don't need to use that right mm-hmm, you could just mm-hmm. you could just go into your arrangement view and then um make a track just like you would in pro tools right um so that's what i always tell people it's like do things how it looks right to you and then you can kind of learn that that functioning mm-hmm. um as you need as you need yeah. or as you get comfortable with it right no it's an amazing daw and like it really is it feels and it's so hard to say because i don't know if this is just happening in my head but it feels smoother than Pro it Tools. Is. It is. And so I, I would say like this, this, so I started mixing in Ableton where mm-hmm. I used to, the way I used to do it, um, if I was working on other people's projects for mixing, um, whatever file they gave me, 
if it was Pro Tools, if it was Ableton, if it was Logic. I would just take it and I would just work in that session. Because, mm-hmm. you know, why am I going to reset at the session? Sure, sure. Um, but then it got to a point. Uh, oh, the, the, the point was when they, when they, when they upgraded to uh, Live 10, mm-hmm. um, they added the function where you can group groups. Oh, I didn't. So before right. that, there so, was no, okay. there was no grouping groups. You still mm-hmm. only have you could do groups, but once the group was the top tier of that bus, essentially. Got it. So once they made grouping groups a thing, that was it. I'm not using Pro Tools to mix anymore because just the routing of tracks alone mm-hmm. in Pro Tools is nonsensical. When mm-hmm. you could just press Command G, boom, all that highlight it, Command G, it's grouped, it's routed. Audio is running through a bus, right. right? And you don't have to think about it, right? Um, and it it makes you mix better because now you can subgroup a little more frivol- frivolously, yes. And um, and you have more control over your mixes, and and that that was it. That at that point, I stopped letting people give me sessions, mm. and I was like stems only. Yeah, yeah. It, that yeah. that right there is the biggest function for for me. The group grouping. Uh, well, that so that that's a huge one, and then audio effect racks, which <laughs> yes, yes, oh my god, is Why? so mind blowing, and, and it's actually it's such a good function that that other manu- plugin manufacturers started making it, right? Dude, so it, Waves has that Wave <laughs> Studio rack, which is just an Ableton audio effect rack. Sound Toys has it. Slate has right? it. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and th- their problems is most of them you can only use with their plugins. In Ableton, <laughs> any plugin goes in this rack. It's such a mind-blowing concept, but at the same time, it's so obvious. Why right. wouldn't you need Why that? Why wouldn't you do it, right? And so there's two basic ways that, that I really like. Well, the three basic ways I like to use audio effect racks. So firstly, just using... Um, kind of like a preset plug-in chain, mm-hmm. right? So like if you're mastering and you always start with a, you do a compressor, you do the same EQ, uh, limiter, whatever. You can just take those three plugins, put them on whatever default setting you want to put them on, group them, that's an effect rack, save, boom. Right. Just not having to load up four plugins every time you do that. Time save, money made, right? Yeah. So that's a huge function. Two, a lesser known one is you can use audio effect racks to create a wet dry knob. Mm. Have you ever done that? I don't think so. So that's really cool. So what you can do is create separate chains. Have you uh-huh. seen that before, right? So you can create separate right, chains right, in an right, audio right, right. effect rack. Right. Um, and then um, you map macros, right? Right. So um, you can actually, wh- what you do is you can map what they call the chain selector. Uh-huh. to one of the macros. Okay. So on the first chain, you put your effect, whatever it is. Because so there are some plugins that don't have wet dry knobs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you could put that on the first one, and then on the second one, you put no plugins, so that's your dry. So you have your wet, you have your dry. <sighs> um, then the chain selector, <laughs> Okay. You can, you can have the chain selector, one, one chain fades into the other. Yeah, so it yeah. crossfades it like this, and then, <laughs> and then it selects it like this, boom, that's wet cool. dry knob. Right, and so that's that's a very basic way to do that. Now yeah. you can wet dry, you could you know like wet dry um, a distortion and a parallel compressed signal. It doesn't even have to be a wet and a dry. It could be yeah. one thing and another thing, and then you can put multiple things on each chain, and and slide between that Ooh, stuff. I have not right? tried that. Yeah, huge, huge. Oh, the chain selector is a big one. Chain selector is a big one. 
Um, so that's another good one. <laughs> that's so dope. Um, and then um, kind of like just using it for like multi-mapping macros. So you can put, you can map any parameter to uh, to to a macro, uh -huh. one knob, right? Uh -huh. So that you can take, if, if you look in um, uh, the Ableton's, uh, if you're on Live 10, it's under Audio Effect Racks. Mm -hmm. They have presets there. And so this is the best way to do it, reverse engineer it like we were talking about before. Right. Check out a couple of their presets and see how they do it because um, you can actually open the mapping and it'll tell you what knobs are mapped to what right? and by what percentages they're mapped. Sure. Um, so like they have one effect called fade to gray. It's my secret, my secret weapon. I use it in most of my tracks and it's one knob and it's this one knob and it's, um, it's attached to uh, a three band EQ and a ping pong delay. Mm -hmm. And so as you turn this one knob up, it changes all of the EQs, the filters and the wet dry and the feedback all at the same time. Mm, so as you turn it up, it mm. kind of just like fades off into nothing. And wow. that's awesome, right? And yeah, yeah. Um, that's a cool kind of like planned effect. So you, now you have one automation, one automation lane. Controlling. All of those knobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So that's huge. And then what you could even do is just, like every now and then I'll just randomly do that. Like I'll just throw on some plugins that I like press map and go click, 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 <laughs> and just see what the fuck happens. Um, and then you can start adjusting it. And, and so this is what's really great about Ableton that, that, that um, you don't get out of a lot of other DOS, especially not Pro Tools, right? If you have Pro Tools, you have to know exactly what you want to do right. and you can do it, right. right? You have to say, I want this result and this will be how I get there. Mm -hmm. With Ableton, it's, it's just creative accidents right mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. you can just press buttons and it'll just shit stuff out at you mm -hmm. and then you just take something that you like yeah, um yeah. which you know is is creatively speaking is you know huge huge yeah, yeah. and so you'll, you'll you know you'll come up with these kind of effects that no one else can have because right. you just kind of you, that you couldn't even make again if you wanted to right, you know right. there, it's a very um, unique yeah, chain of right. So whatever. that's 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 what's really cool. I, so audio effect racks, um, absolutely huge. And they actually made some upgrades to the audio effect racks, um, which are really nice. Uh, yeah. Um, so they changed how the macros are set up. You can do more or less macros, which is really cool, because um, and it's it's really just something how you look at it. Um, because the way audio effect racks are now, if you have a macro, um, you know, like even if you only want one macro, it shows you eight macros and you right. just kind of have those seven dead macros. You can change the view now to just have one macro or two macros okay. or four macros. And, right, and it's, cool. it's not it's not huge, but it kind of is at the same time because it just cleans shit up, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's 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 so big too. Uh, and they did a couple other cool things with the audio effect racks that I haven't even dove into yet, but. Um, and 11 has now um, <clears throat> the playlisting feature. Huge, right? So you can playlist in comp. You said um, it's better than Pro Tools? Yes. Um, so there, there's some... So they have some, like, latching functions, which are kind of cool. 
And, and you know, maybe maybe Pro Tools kind of has this stuff, and I've just never dove into it that that deep. But um, they they have it so. First off, you can easily break playlist out mm-hmm. into a new track. Um, you can take you can take stuff and then make it into playlist that's already been recorded. Like take uh-huh. stuff from other tracks and put them into playlist. Right. Um, and so, like one example that they show, if you if you watch the the demo for Eleven, they um, instead of you know like when you comp stuff together, you 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 redo the same take whatever eight times and take the best part of each take. Sure. Well, one way they use it is they take uh, eight different drum loops, mm-hmm. put them on each playlist, and then yeah. it shuffles through the playlist to take different parts of each drum loop out. Ooh, right? And and huh? Right? I know. That's what I said. Oh, and and so shit. after I saw that, I was like, I think you could do that in Pro Tools, right? I, I don't. You might not be able to do that. You have to create the playlist first, and you, maybe you can drag the audio into there. That's the only I, way to do it. Right, but it, it's um, know, it's just not as fluid. Like you, yeah, yeah, you would yeah, never yeah, even yeah. think to do that in Pro Tools. <laughs> right, right. And Ableton's right. like, hey guy, why aren't you doing this? You know, um, <laughs> so that's that's a, that's a that's a huge function too. I, I, I'm a big fan of that, um, which is is great because um, before that came out, so like I said, the grouping groups shifted me from mixing in Pro Tools uh-huh. to mixing in Ableton. Mm-hmm. Now that that function is there, now that you can playlist and comp, I'm probably going to be doing a lot more recording in Ableton as well. Makes sense. Um, yeah, because previously, the only time I would record in Ableton is if I had, um, you know, it's like, hey, I'm doing a guitar lead and I'm just going to kind of, you know, and, and it was kind of a pain in the ass to do comp takes of it. Yeah. Because yeah. um, you could do like a loop record thing. Mm-hmm. But then you would have to like cut it and you know manually right. put it on different tracks, um, but yeah, now it's um, now it's there. And eleven is still in uh, beta. Beta, yeah, yeah. Um, usually, I want to say they they'll probably come out with it around spring if I had to guess. I don't know. I'm not an Ableton yeah, representative. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that stuff works. But yeah, um, dude, I'm thinking of buying the Live Ten Suite. It's just. Um, so yeah, okay, so that's a good conversation too. Um, y- you might not even need Sweet. Really? Um, it depends on what you're looking for. So it, it, what I would do if I were you, look at the, uh, they have like, you know, that the checklist of, thing? yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, the main the, the main thing that you really get out of Sweet, there's a couple of plugins, there's a couple of stock plugins, which is stuff that, you know, you, you probably don't need because you right. have, you know, you have your workflow in place. Um, the real big thing that you get out of having Suite is it comes with Max for Live. Mm. Are you familiar with that at all? Very little. So Very little. basically, the idea with Max for Live is it is, um, it's kind of like this. Uh, it's a GUI-based um, programming software. Mm-hmm. So um, you can make your own plugins, kind of based off of just like knobs and stuff instead right. of dialing code in and stuff and you still have to do some kind of little little bits of code thing and it's you know the the, the way you route signal flow to these different things is actually like drawing a, a line from Patch one thing to another yeah. right um and and so it's it's one of those things in and of itself if you want if you're like a you want to get into plugin development it's a really good um way to do that and and, and like a lot of times you might run into a situation where you're like 
you know, I don't have a plugin that can do this crazy thing that I just made up in my head. Mm-hmm. And with, with, with Max for Live, you can do that. And even better yet, most of the time, you don't have to because somebody else already did. <laughs> um, so uh, the Ableton's um, code is very open source. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what ends up happening is people make max for live plugins sure and they kind of just put, put them up out. on the internet right. and even if you pay sometimes you you buy you buy the ones that you want and like I've, I've bought a couple i've never spent more than five dollars you mm-hmm. know usually it's like a couple dollars um and those things expand the functionality of ableton to an infinite plane because mm-hmm. now you can do whatever somebody can imagine it can happen right so max for live is really really cool um, is it worth that price difference? I, I yeah. I what is the price difference? Like three hundred bucks? Um, yeah. Like I want to say it's. I want to say it's uh, in that ballpark. I, 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 but you, you'll probably get like upgrade pricing, and if if like take advantage of the educational pricing. Sure. Um, that'll save you a shitload of money. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Think I that can out get the full, I think I can get the full suite for like. 450 500 something like that yeah it's not so bad it's not terrible um i actually it took me a couple of years to do this but i got ableton suite i think it cost me like 300 bucks shit and the way i did it was i like slowly upgraded <laughs> from the free version and i kind of just traded up <laughs> like waited for sales and stuff like that yeah and, and, and then i eventually i got myself up to the uh i got myself up to sweet it was funny because i i actually the first the first time i had to pay like like i paid more to upgrade from nine suite to ten suite than i did to get to nine suite wow yeah weird so you can kind of do that if you're patient for it <laughs> Fuck um, that. oh another really cool thing um, and, and a couple other DAWs do this. So there's like Bitwig does this. Um, so Bitwig is another cool DAW if you want to check some stuff out um, that gives you a little more technical dive. Uh, I think a couple of the guys who made Ableton broke off and made their own DAWs. But, nice. Um, so with Max for Live, they have um, they have a couple of things like LFOs, um, and they also have CV tools. Um, Let's talk about the like the LFOs and envelopes first. So you can take, um, so an LFO, a low frequency oscillator, um, and, and it's just a modulation source. It's just mm-hmm. something that can change a knob, right? right? Um, you can take this is you know with uh, Sweet. You can take an LFO and apply it to any parameter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you can turn any parameter of any plugin, not just Ableton stock, third party too. You can now you have an LFO for that, mm-hmm. which you can do whatever you want with, or you can take an envelope and do whatever you want with. Right. Um, so I mean that is just, it's gigantic. It's gigantic, and and, and it's like, like a really good example of that, right? Um, maybe um, maybe somebody sent me something to mix, and this is not even from the production standpoint, right? Somebody sent me something to mix, um, and they kind of used a really basic kind of vanilla synth that doesn't have a lot of flavor on it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I want to put a little vibrato on it. Now I can take that, even if it's a stem, I right. could I could put a utility plug-in with a gain knob, mm-hmm. take an LFO, put it to that gain knob, gain knob and, and, I, have it and it's just going to tremolo. Yeah, 
And it'll do that automatically. You don't have to do that automation, right? Insane. And that's that's a super, <laughs> super basic function of that. Right. Um, doing that like a really slow LFO to kind of increase reverb sends. Oh, my God. That's pretty right? cool. That's right? a great and, idea. Right? And you don't even have to sync it to time so it does it randomly or you can sync it. And it'll do it, you know, every quarter, whatever you want to do. Um, and so that's huge. Yeah. Huge. Right? Pretty awesome. Um so that, even just that plug alone, and I haven't dove super deep into um, uh, Max for Live like I should have. I started for a while, and I was like, "This is, this is going to be a lot of brain power that I'm going to need to really yeah, dig into this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, they have a lot of really cool plugins that just do even even like n n like utilitarian functions where they have like um, MIDI splitters mm -hmm. where you could play a chord on one channel and it will send the first note to one synth, the second note to another and the third note to another. Right. This like, is huge, right? <laughs> um, and so like, if you need that kind of like all, and, and then all the other MIDI stuff that, the, that the, those Max for Live plugins could do ridiculous. That's another great thing that um, Ableton has a lot, so Ableton has it. Logic has it. Not as good. Pro Tools doesn't have it at all. MIDI effects, mm. MIDI MIDI right. MIDI effect plugins that change MIDI messages, not just audio. Yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. These, it's brilliant. Are, yeah, huge. Arpeggiators and all that shit. Right. Scale just, shits. Yeah. It's awesome. Huge. Huge. Fucking awesome. Um, even just like the velocity, the velocity yeah. randomizers, the pitch changers. It's huge. All this stuff's great. Um, but then they have CV tools. So what's that? So, um, so you see, like, I have a, uh, I don't know if you get this over here. Um, oh, we didn't do the studio like, tour. Oh, you want? <laughs> yeah, well, all so right, let's, let's do a studio tour real quick. Huh? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's take this guy off here. Um, all right, so we'll go, uh, all right, we'll go over here first. Uh, what are we looking at? So, uh, here is my modular synth route. Oh, this way. Okay. Modular synthesizer. Nice. Um, I have this. Uh, let's see. Can we? Can you see that? Is there enough yep. light there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have this uh, studio furniture, which was such a great purchase. Uh, nice. out output platform. Um, so it's got a, sp a bunch of space for rack gear, which I'm still working on. I'm gonna put some more synthesizers there. Of course, I have my little bar cart situation, so I could uh, mix drinks when needed. Um, <laughs> So these are all modular synthesizers. Um, then we have uh, so reflection filter, which is mm -hmm. super important for any home recording. Mm -hmm. Extra chair, some patch cables. Um, okay, so let's look at the desk. Hey, hi, there you are. Um, so um, over here, uh, so my monitors, I'm rocking these Dynaudio LYD48s. Nice. Um, they're pretty solid. Yeah, uh, I, I'm liking them. Um, still getting used to them. I put them on stands and I tilted them, tilted mm -hmm. them down to kind of reduce the standing waves. Which, yeah. by the way, huge difference. The to, to tilt them. I was running into some real standing wave issues where some of these low frequencies were kind of building up. But now that it's uh, on an, on an angle, interesting. The, the, the waves aren't. Yeah. You yeah, know, because yeah, yeah. it's just the reflections aren't as symmetrical, right? Right, 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 right. Um, so I got that stuff. Uh, I got my patch bay, my kind of little mic input panel. 
um, all patch cables and whatnot. Um, so this thing, you probably like this. I don't know if you've seen this before. The uh, soft tube console one. Maybe. So what this is, it's it's um, from SoftTube. It's a MIDI controller that controls certain plugins. So like you would need like a uh, SoftTube has a console one plugin, mm -hmm. and what it has is it comes with console channel strip emulations. Mm -hmm. So like it comes with the, the SSL console, like a four thousand G, or you can get like their API version oh, or whatever. And so if you look at it, it's just got all the kind of yeah. channel strip stuff you need. You have the uh, you know yeah. dynamic compressors, right. uh, EQ. And so you get console workflow and you could just change through the different channels mm -hmm. on here. And, and mix as if you were on a console. Right. Really oh, cool. That's cool. Um, it has it has uh, drive characteristics for each of the channels. Wow. And each of the channels is a different modulation of or or a different uh, a different drive, different type. It's of drive? a different like model of a different channel. Dude, that's um, fucking dope. Yeah, this is this is new. I just got this. I haven't got this in my workflow as much as I want to, but it's 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 phenomenal. Um, it also controls. It seamlessly controls. Uh, um, UAD plugins. Ooh. And so what you can do is like if you have a UAD compressor and a UAD EQ, you can actually change, you know, like you could have one, you could have the EQ from the API and then you could have the, you know, compressor from SSL or whatever, whatever plugins <laughs> you have. And, <laughs> and so you can control your plugins while, you know, like, especially if you're using UAD stuff, you know how you have to go back and forth between the console and the yeah. DAW? You don't have to do that. Yeah, it just, it yeah. just do that. So oh, that's big. Shit. That's awesome. Um, I got my Novation Peak synthesizer here. It's nice. a polyphonic synthesizer. It's my nice. first big boy uh, polysynth. <laughs> loving it. Loving it. Um, so the main difference, people ask, like, a lot, like, do you, do you like, our analog synthesizers, do they really um, give you that? Is, is it that big of a deal? Right. Um, but uh, yes and no. The two big things, you, you will get a little more, I think you get a little more low end. It's a little, a little bit fatter. Digitals uh -huh. can sound, digital synths can sound a little thin. Uh -huh. The main thing is the workflow. Yeah. Turning turning knobs and having those performance aspects. These it, touching it is different than how you use it with a mouse. Hundred percent of the time. Right? Absolutely. Um. So like, that that's huge. Plus, I use it for a lot of my uh, bigger sounds that mm -hmm. are typically CPU intensive. Makes sense. Um. So it pulls off a lot of stress on my computer. Right. Um. Interfaces. I'm I'm using a UAD system here. I have a X16. <laughs> of course. And a twin. Um, I won't go too much into that. Uh, MIDI control, I have an Ableton push. This nice. is a, a really, really good way to interact with Ableton. Yeah, I've seen um, these. I, I'm not as good as other people are at this, but mm -hmm. like, if you get really good at push, you almost don't need to use your mouse and keyboard. Right, that's right? what like I've you heard. Can, yeah. You can really get through it. And, and again, you know, more hands-on functions that you can get to, to add a performance aspect into your, um, you know, into your mm -hmm. recording mm -hmm. is going to be a lot better. Right. Um, this guy too. Um, so is that Art? If, yeah. yeah, this is yeah. Art Pro. I don't know if the screen's backwards or whatever, but this is Art Pro uh, Pro Channel 2. 
Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a uh, it's just a channel strip, uh, so it's got preamp, compressor, and EQ. Um, I just wanted to have some analog sound and, again, to have a little more control on knobs that I have. Sure. Um, I really like this thing, and it was really cheap. So this thing, I think this cost me, I got it used for, I think it was $250. Um, and it's a opto tube. Oh, nice. Right, so it's a tube amp with an opto compressor. Compressor, yeah, yeah, So, yeah. you know, it's... That's what you're looking for, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this thing's pretty good. I don't use it as much as I should um, simply because I'm I'm rocking the UAD system and it's <laughs> I, 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 I don't need to use anything else. UAD's pretty good. Yeah, it's solid, man. Pretty good. I, I can't complain. Um, yeah. What else is good here? I got a couple of guitars that nice. I don't know how to play. <laughs> I got my, uh, my vinyl collection. Woo. Yeah. Um, I felt I, I'm a DJ, and I felt that it was uh, wrong for me to be calling myself a DJ and without not know without how to some use vinyls. Vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> um, this guy I just got. Is uh, that a Korg? This is the Arturia. Oh Keylab shit! Eighty-eight yeah. Mark II. This thing is a monster. Oh um, my god! It, the the weighting on it really cool. Yeah. It's not exactly a real piano, which mm-hmm. is good for synthier stuff right because you want a little more snap on it yeah um yeah. great uh comes with a lot of modulation sources uh one of the big cells on this which we'll talk about again in a minute is cv but then it also has uh sustain and modulation pedal inputs nice um so like using a modulation pedal which i, I don't know if you use that um so huge so that's like down here this guy you've seen these right yeah yeah yeah, yeah right for sure so um those are really good because it basically adds another modulation source to to what you can touch and move right. and use and stuff right there's another performance aspect to it again exactly it, yeah. so like like a mod wheel but like a mod wheel a mod wheel takes takes your hand yeah. Whereas this is just an extra foot, you know. Yeah. It's um, great. So you can still play two-handed chords and stuff and ride a filter. Yeah. Which it's is, like um, know, it's huge. It's like guitar wah pedals and stuff. Right. Right. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but for any parameter. Right. Because now that this this keyboard can translate that to MIDI. Yeah. And now I could attach that to any parameter in Ableton. Fucking crazy, dude. Right. Jesus right, Christ. I know. And That's you, a joke just, setup. Just having that has changed. First off, it changes how much work I have to do, which now, like, none. I get yeah. these really cool floaty pads, and I'm just, like, just moving my foot. And I don't mm. have to sit there and fucking automate shit. And it's just, ugh, oh, mind-blowing. Um, but so let's talk about let's talk about CV. Yeah, CV, and, what is that? Right, so if, if you're not familiar... With uh, modular gear, I'll turn this on so you get some lights and stuff. Um, <laughs> basically, when we're talking about modular synthesizers, um, it, it's just saying that you can make a synthesizer piece by piece, right. right? So if you buy a synthesizer, it has you know it has oscillators, it has envelopes, it has LFOs, mm-hmm. and it has filters. Right. And more often than not, those things kind of have a a signal flow and they interact in a certain way. Sure. So with um, with this kind of stuff, um, with a modular setup, you can buy each of those individual pieces. Right. 
And so even though these, this is just a case, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a case that supplies power. These things are not talking to each other at all. Right. Right. So you actually like have to hardwire patch cables, Patches. Sure. right, to get one thing to go to another, right? Right. So, um, you know, it gives you a lot of control and, and creativity out of the sound that you can create. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially because now, now I have like different brands, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's this brand's filter with that brand's oscillator. It's not just such a right. straightforward sound, right? So the way, the way these kind of things work, there's, there's basically there's two signals. There's um, the audio signal, which mm -hmm. is, you know, just like your regular signal flow, you just think of audio. And then there's CV, or control voltage. So uh -huh. there's a voltage that um, is not audio that tells things what to do, right? Oh, right, so like, right. Like right. An, an LFO is modulating something, right? but it's not audio, right? Correct. So, an so LFO, that's an example of a CV? Well, yes, in this situation, that would be outputting CV. Like, if you do that in Ableton, that's MIDI. Right. Right, so control voltage is actual voltage. Now, the big advantage to voltage over MIDI is MIDI is digital. So uh -huh. it's stepped. Yeah, yeah. Control voltage is analog, right? right. So not stepped. Right. Um, so that's that's all well and cool. The, the big issue that you run into with modular systems um, is that it's very... Um, it's very hard to recreate things. Sure. Um, and you can't really, right, you can't automate it, right? Because right. it's all analog. Right. Until recently. So uh, when Ableton came out with Live 10, um, and I'll put, I'll put this back over here. When they came out with Live 10, um, they added CV tools. Mm -hmm. So CV tools um, allows you to output... Um, control voltage from an audio interface. So oh. now I could write automation oh in God. Ableton. Yes. And it, it's the same as if I turn these knobs. Yes. Right? And also vice versa, I could record control voltage. <laughs> and now I can turn these knobs and save the automation. Oh, shit. Right? And so... That's being, so cool. Right. And so th that th these systems used to be really kind of niche because, you know, you really like first off, it's like it, it's really hard to understand it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's very, uh, in a sense, unpredictable or uh, un uh, like you can't you can't recreate things, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but now you kind of can, and um, now you can link, and this is a really cool function with it too. Is now you can link control voltages with digital synthesizers so and vice versa so now yeah. you can even if you wanted to um you know if you wanted to back up a sound if you wanted to do some layering but you wanted the the, the filters to ride exactly the same or whatever you can you can sync that stuff up right, right. um which is huge and so that's Holy what we, we were talking before we started we were talking about how I kind of have a weird setup. I was just gonna say on my patch bay. Yeah. So the thing, the the thing with C with CV, you can't just use any audio interface. Mm -hmm. um, it has to have what's called DC coupled outputs. Okay. Um, and it, so there's AC coupled and DC coupled. So um, D 
DC direct current, right? It's a, it's a much smoother, more predictable voltage, which right. makes it good for exactly what we're talking about. Um, the vast, vast, vast majority of audio interfaces are not DC coupled because it's not, um, it's just not necessary, right? Um, so uh, Universal Audio, mm -hmm. their interfaces are DC coupled. So that's why I leaned into the Apollo system oh. so hard. Um, so the way I have my patch base set up, and actually I, I made a little, I actually made a custom little patch bay. I don't know if you can see this down here. Um, yeah, I noticed it. Yeah, the one. Right? Yeah. So that is attached to my patch bay. Uh -huh. um, and what that does, I, I've basically normaled my first 10 outputs of Ableton to that little CV patch bay. Uh, and, and so now I can go right out of Ableton into whatever I need to go into. Right. Um, and then I also kind of put some quarter inches in here to, um, you know, just for, for audio as well. And that's another thing that you can do too. Um, like we were talking before about how, um, uh, how, how uh, digital synths might sound a little thin. Mm -hmm. um, so you know how like if you, you do that with like a, a guitar, you might reamp a guitar yeah, to yeah, kind of yeah. give it an analog sound. What you can do is if you have, um, so this is a Euro rack format, uh, which is different than line level. But if you have a converter that goes from Euro rack to line level and vice versa, what you can do is take your digital synthesizer, output the audio through your analog synth chain, and then use those analog effects and just kind of run it back in. And now your digital synth has <laughs> analog more Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I have these. Um, so, Behringer, Behringer, which is notoriously like not a great brand. <laughs> right. They, um, I don't even know how they do it legally, but they kind of they stepped up their game, where they um, recently started recreating classic synths mm -hmm. um, in a Euro rack format um, and in desktop formats. They do super cheap which is, you know, Behringer's kind of thing. And I think the, that with most, if not all of them, they, like, hired the engineers who created those original synths, so they're very Shit. faithful. And um, they're super fucking cheap. Wow. Um, so this, the, like, these modules here, so this is a, 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 a voltage-controlled VC low-pass filter and a voltage-controlled high-pass filter. So it's a low-pass filter and a high-pass filter that I can modulate the, mm. the cutoffs on, right? These are remakes of the Moog, uh, what is it, the 50 series? You ever see the giant wall of Moogs? Yeah. Right? So basically, they, they took all of those modules, shrunk them down, <laughs> no and then started reselling them at a fucking fraction of the cost. So, like, uh, Moog just re-released that, that kind of wall of synths, and you can get them for, like, 30 grand. Um, if you recreate that same kind of thing... With faithful circuitry through the Behringer system, it'll cost you fifteen hundred, wow. maybe two grand. Um, Holy so, shit. like, I bought these filters. These are Moog recreation filters, um, and they sound like Moog ladder filters, which is like the sound. And now I could run like digital synths or you know, yeah. analog synths through that, right? So. Um, it's 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 a uh, it's a if creatively speaking, especially like if you're into sound design. Right, right, right. 
Um, and then I have like down here, so this, um, let me show you this, down. I don't know if you can see this. Um, this guy down here, this is the Moog Mother 32. This is what we would call a semi-modular synthesizer. Mm -hmm. So unlike up here where I have like different modules, that's a v you know, it's a VCO and that's an, uh, an envelope generator. This has all of that stuff kind of built into it. Um, it has um, oscillator, like just like you would expect out of a normal synthesizer, but it has patch points so you can patch mm -hmm. in and out of it. Mm -hmm. So now you can expand this system with that Using system. a module. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, so like uh, if, if you know like Stranger Things, um, yeah. a lot of the sound design was done with that. Um, they oh, had a couple wow. of those. The big downside, the big downside to... Um, modular systems is and this is only a downside if, if you consider it a downside um, they're pretty much monophonic mm -hmm. right um, in order to make it polyphonic right like one oscillator can play one note so if you want to make it polyphonic you have to have three oscillators to play three mm -hmm. notes mm -hmm. um, and then you need kind of three of everything right so right. You need three oscillators three envelopes and, and so on and so forth um, to make it polyphonic um, and then you have to figure out a way to get it so one of three notes gets sent to each different one, which is we were talking about before, right? right? That's why that's yeah. such a huge max, max for live function because it now can can do that, which I, I couldn't figure out um, an effective or at least in a cheap way to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it, the, the, the possibilities of that are just... I mean, they're endless. They're endless. Um, and then another cool thing I did, too, um, the CV, well, so the audio interfaces are outputting uh, line level. Or, mm -hmm. well, they're, they're balanced, I should say, not necessarily mm -hmm. line level. Balanced. Um, but uh, modulate, like CV is not balanced. It's unbalanced. I see. Um, so what I did when I made this patch bay is I took, so output number one, I took it and I split it into a positive and a negative. <laughs> and so now I have, you know, the inverted of the uh -huh. same modulation source. So I could, you know, <laughs> invert stuff all over the place and do crazy stuff like that. That's so cool. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's funny because I, I was like, I, when, I, when I built this, when I built this setup, my idea, and this is like, this was where I, where I really decided I have to put some money into this is I, I wanted to make it to a point where I don't, I don't want to hit a point where I'm like, oh, I wish I could do this. Right. I want everything to, I want like the way I have to set it up now has to be beyond my capability of, of, right. of creativity at this point. Cause right. down the road, I want to be able to do something that I can't, that right. I, don't, I can't even think of now. Right. Um, so I, that's why I kind of just went balls to the wall and started making stuff like, oh, I guess I'll just maybe need that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that, that's um, that's the, kind of the gist of this stuff, um, and then and then this keyboard too, which is really cool, um, has CV modulation output. Yeah, right? yeah. So right, I right. could even take I could take my mod wheel and have it control. Hook it up to one of those parameters. Man. Yeah, with just a patch cable. I mean, it's all in the all in the uh, hope, or rather, the faith that. It'll expand creativity because you're not worrying about how to get to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally I mean, I can't tell you. I can't tell you how. And it's it's funny, you know, because um, I was, you know, having engine room at my disposal. I have 
all this high quality vintage gear that I, you know, personally, I'll never be able to afford. Um, but you know, it takes me two hours to set up two hours to break mm -hmm. down mm -hmm. and you know, I might only get a couple hours of work. And then by the time I'm done setting up, I'm kind of like, right, I'm over right. it. um, so kind of having it in a, in a situation where shit just works and, and, it, yeah. and, and there it is. And, um, it's, it's, it's been, it's been really big for me. Um, to, like create creatively speaking, um, and you know it's still a work in progress because like sure. even even the way I have things set up now, like I'm gonna move that synth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I might move things around just to kind of make it make more sense to me, but um, left obstacles in the way of yeah yeah yeah. Like even like so, I have this uh, like I showed you the input panel before, um, where it's it's just ten combo jacks. Um, right. which just go into my patch bay essentially mm -hmm. um like i don't i don't record i'm not recording a band here i don't need right. 10 right. combo jacks i don't need 10 xlrs but right. um you know even if i just need one or two microphones i don't have to think about it it's just like boom 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 right and it's, and, and it's there um and and who knows where i'm going to be in you know 2 years maybe i will want to fucking maybe i will need 10 Right. Phones, I don't, and and now, now I have the stuff available. But, Dude, that's yeah, a pretty this, dope setup. Thanks, man. That's yeah, it's been a dope. long time in the making. You know, a, a lot of this is, you know, I've been collecting this gear for years and years um, and just kind of expanding on it. Um, but it, it's, it's finally kind of at a point where um, I'm, like, comfortable just to, just to create. Like, I can, I can sit down. I can sit down in front of this thing. Yeah. And just fucking just plug stuff in and push. Not, like, I could just have it play one note out of Ableton. Right, right. And, I, like, I don't have to press anything. And I'm just kind of doing the patching. And, and it's giving me stuff that, you know, I, I, you know, didn't know how to do or I didn't know could yeah. exist. Yeah, um, yeah. And then what's really cool about that, too, is now when we have... LFOs and right. envelopes and all these kind of things that are built into Ableton. Now I it gets me thinking different where I'm like, okay, well, if I'm using the LFO to affect this here, maybe I can have that LFO affect that there. Yeah. And um, so, that, you know, like I said, that creatively speaking, it's doing something that, you know, I, I couldn't, I could never possibly do. And is that, is that like the next kind of frontier you're focusing on is the more creativity now yeah, that the studio is totally. all up? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's um, for me. It's it's production and getting back into like DJing. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I didn't really. I never really like stopped DJing. I stopped doing gigs because mm -hmm. um, the way the way that kind of community is, um, a lot of people have this misconception that um, DJ all DJs are producers and all producers are DJs. But that's totally not how it is. But you're kind of forced to do that, right? Because, you know, I'm sure as you know, selling music doesn't really make money. Doesn't, like, unless you're in that top 0.01%, right. Right. selling music doesn't make money. So gigs make money. So if you're a producer, you kind of have to DJ to get, you know, to get a, a make a living. But at yeah. the same time, you can't really get those good DJ gigs 
unless you have that digital following where you're making your own music or have right. your own style. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do they do tend to overlap. So for a while, I was like, I'm pretty good DJ. Let me stop DJing out as much and worrying about getting gigs and stuff and spend more time on my production. Um, but you know, until it gets to that level, and I, I think my production's at that level now. Uh, for me, it's just a matter of um, volume, yeah. right? Um, can't make one song every two months. It's right. not going to cut it. Not not in any genre. Right. Um, so I have to put out some volume, and then um, you know my quality is real close. Um, and 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 now I'm actually at the point where, like going back to what we were talking about way earlier, mixing and mastering your own stuff. I, I'm at the point where I'm like you know maybe I can't be doing that um and so like the the song I'm working on right now uh what I'm gonna do with it is um I'm actually gonna tone my mixing back a little bit that Mm -hmm. I've done on it um to make it sound a little less mixed Mm -hmm. so to make it sound more like a demo and then I'll shop that out um in the hopes that you know, like, okay, hey, the music's there, but the sound is off. I don't want the, but at the same time, you know, I don't want them to be like, oh, this guy kind of ruined it, right. kind of ruined it by not mixing it well, you know? Right, 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 right. So, you know, I'm trying to find that line, too. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Dude, that's yeah. fucking awesome. Right, yeah. No, that's awesome, dude. And look, thanks for spending some time. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a good time, man. Uh, take up too much of it. Dude. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely, dude. <laughs> um, all right, so we're cool. We're done. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's call it.